0: Anxiety is on the rise worldwide. No matter what background you're from in the last two years, it's just gone absolutely out of control. The question is, how do you handle anxiety? How do you manage it effectively and efficiently? So one of the experts who I've sourced is Dr. Mark Alpin, who's a chiropractor from Canada, and he specializes in heart brain coherence he's the author of the coherence revolution and he's got some amazing tips and ideas he's about to share with you to help you to manage anxiety if you want to find out more about him check the description make sure you click on the link connect with him otherwise enjoy the interview anxiety is something that is not going away given all the technology the medical innovation the all the experts out there you know well, I, I had an anxiety course that I launched a number of years ago I had four and a half nearly five thousand people do it and they love it it seems to be the case that it's not going away so in this episode we're going to go deep we're going to go super super deep with Dr. Mark Halpin and we're going to talk a lot more about anxiety but let's bring him on and um, Dr. Mark, welcome to my podcast.
1: Hi, nice to be here.
0: Nice to have you, you're all the way in Toronto and we're here in the UK and so before, so that people understand what we mean by anxiety because it is a confusing topic, there's people confusing with depression and stress and so on, what is anxiety and please share us, share with us your experience of going through anxiety.
1: Sure. Uh, well, as a very basic, I mean, anxiety is something really the human body was created to have as, as a warning response. Uh, it's a very primitive response of the body, the fight or flight or freeze um, response. So essentially, if you were uh, being chased by a bear or a lion or something and you had to run towards a cave, you needed all of the energy of your body. You needed the blood flow to be shunted away from your your uh, digestive system, your immune system, your reproductive system, um, your decision-making even, and all of the blood flow goes right to your muscles so that you can get away from the bear. But theoretically, when you got to the cave, uh, that response should start to calm and you should go back to your sort of normal physiological state. However, fast forward thousands and thousands of years, and we have this fight or flight response being um, triggered by the people that were around by our boss by our spouse by our partners by some situation that's arisen and what happens is we start developing these patterns and you know i can only talk about uh, myself but i i grew up um i was a healthy vibrant young child i never had any uh perceived issues i don't think anybody in my circle would have ever thought i was some developing uh, bad mental health or anxiety issues however sometime around grade six, grade seven, somewhere around the 12, 13 years of age, as normal teenage angst and insecurities and hormones and all that stuff started, uh, I just started developing really bad thinking habits and behavior. So I would start to feel insecurities and I would, my mind would start to race and then that would start to produce anxiety. And then when I had anxiety, that would produce more thoughts and it became this cycle of anxiety and it really became Uh, like I call it a neurological pattern, which is something that's been ingrained in my nervous system over and over and over again. See, we don't really realize, it, but most of us practice anxiety without even knowing it because we're just doing it over and over again. It's this process of thinking followed by chemical release, followed by anxiety, followed by thinking, and it just keeps going. And so I would say by the end of my teens, I had just developed so many bad thinking and feeling habits. And over and over again, my triggers were getting easier and easier to uh, be stimulated. And so you know, I sort of exited my teens and into my 20s, developing full-blown anxiety almost all the time. Uh, I sort of lost the ability to feel emotion. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel sad. What I felt was anxiety. It was that feeling in the pit of your stomach as if you're about to write your last exam, as if you're about to, you know, jump out of an airplane or off a cliff, that anxiety was there all the time. And it became my norm. And so this really went on through my 20s and my 30s, and even into the beginning of my 40s. I'm now 50. And my approach from way back, I guess, about 18 years old, 19 years old, was, I've always been a little bit philosophical and a little bit scientific. So I've always had both. And so I determined I was going to try every method I could find until I finally solved anxiety, because in my mind, this was something I could get over. This was something that I could find the cure, find the answer, resolve it with therapy or treatment or whatever, and then move on and live the rest of my life without anxiety. However, what happened is because I wanted to approach everything, I tried everything from, you know, uh, medical doctors and medication and cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology and psychiatrists and homeopaths and naturopaths and energy workers, uh, past life regression, people who worked with the quantum energy. I mean, you name it, I tried it. And every situation started off with this encouragement, this hope, I felt like, ah, this is it. And I'm going to give this time because everybody talked about time and it just needed time. And so, I gave each approach time and it became this cycle of hope and then excitement and feeling a little bit of change and then disappointment after a month or two. And it didn't live up to what I thought. And I still had anxiety and I still had to live that life of suffering. And so it was this constant, you know, hope followed by disappointment, hopeful disappointment. And, you know, all of a sudden, 15, 20 years go by and you start going, wow, some of these things worked a little, but not a lot. Uh, and I got some results, but not a lot. and. You know, I started getting frustrated in many aspects, but in my early 40s, I started to pull it all together, uh, especially with meditation and the use of heart math techniques, which now I I teach. It's all about practicing the emotions that you want to feel, practicing the life you wanna feel because you can start to change your physiological state. And so for me, it it all really came together in a big way when the pandemic started of all things. Because I remember it was March 15th of 2020, we had just done a renovation on my chiropractic clinic, and we were coming back to work that day. And when we got into work, the government essentially locked us down and said, go home and for an undetermined amount of time, you can't work and who knows what the next steps are. And so it became, you know, all about uncertainty and all about fear. And and most people I knew were very anxious about what was going on. And so I knew me and I knew my background and I knew that this was not going to be a good thing for me if I just sort of went home and saw what happened and just figured it out. I thought okay, I've got to do something. So what I did is I started going through every everything I'd ever done. Every book, every therapist, every technique, all those books that I had kind of flipped the page down and said I'll get back to it one day. Well, this was the one day, you know. So I went back and I went through everything I'd ever done. And I started writing. And the writing was my story. The writing was about things that work, things that didn't work. I really didn't know where it was going, but I treated it like a job. And I wrote a couple hours in the morning, took a lunch, did an afternoon shift. And sure enough, after about two or three months, what was developing was Coherence Revolution, the book. And within a few months, I sort of had this book that I thought was great. And now I had I could teach these heart math techniques, and I thought, I think I should put together an online program, because who knows how long this is going to be, and I think I can help lots of people deal with their uncertainty and stress. And that's how the six-week course came about, and I put together an online course where I'm teaching self-regulation techniques, heart math, but we're also diving into uh, our senses, we're diving into the world around us, how do we use our sense of smell, and taste, and sound, and sight, and digestive process and nature, how do we use that to improve our health? How do we use that to get into what I call a coherent physiological state? And so I started putting together this course knowing that it was all about self-inquiry. It's all about knowing yourself, what works for you, because what works for me might not work for you. And so the, the, the heart, pun intended, the heart of this course is learning heart math techniques, which help you self-regulate in the moment, change your emotional state. And then it's surrounded by all this great material where you get to know yourself. And at the very end, you get to put together either a toolbox for yourself where you know what's going to work, or we, you can go the further distance and actually put together what I call a daily time schedule. And you put together a schedule that not only includes every single thing you want to do in your life in a schedule, like on a weekly basis, so that it's a process that you can follow. Or, uh, sorry, and you put in the emotions you want to feel. Because the emotions you want to feel in the morning to get yourself up and alive for work are much different than what you want at night. And so the whole purpose of the course is to figure out what emotions you want to feel during the day. And then how can you achieve those emotions through different techniques, different things around you, you know, in your environment. And then to start just living that process. So by the end of the course, you're going to have a toolbox so big that you can now understand yourself and have the ability to change your emotional state and start to create a lower set point uh, for stress so that you're more resilient, that you're able to deal with this. And that's really what this is all about, is using my experience to create a process for yourself.
0: Thank you for that. Let's dissect some of that. I mean, first of all, I totally resonate with your uh, book title, uh, Coherence Revolution, because my own first, well, I used to do in regu- irregular podcasts, and then later on a regular one, which was called the Consciousness Revolution show. So uh, wow. totally in, in, in alignment. Um, dissecting it, let's take it one step back, which is to ask the question, given all the tools we've got at our fingertips, you know it's, it's like there's so many life coaches and so many experts and so many books and so on, and so many courses. Why are so many more people suffering from anxiety?
1: Well, in in my opinion, we've made a huge shift in what we expect out of ourselves. You know, if you look at 30 years ago uh, and you saw a doctor out on the golf course on Tuesday at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, You'd look at that doctor and go, wow, he must have really accomplished something in his life. He's got the time and the money to take this time off in the middle of the work week. Fast forward 30 years, and now we look at that person as being lazy. Uh, the people that we look up to now are the people that are accomplishing 10 different things, have all these different jobs and all these different hats they wear. We're doing so much and we put so much pressure on ourselves. And so our set point of of how much is going on? I mean, we're we're so um, connected to the devices we have. We're so connected to uh, accomplishing more, doing more, seeing what is out there, seeing what other people are doing, and it's it's overwhelming. And so, a it puts a lot of pressure on you to do something. But now you're also feeling like you're missing out if you're not paying attention to everybody around you. You know, uh, you know, some people will go on Facebook and just say this is a dinner we've had, and they'll you know post a picture of their dinner. And all of a sudden, is that leaving everybody else going, well, my dinner is not quite as good as that. I, got I, I, I,
0: that. I, I apologize for that, everyone, because <laughs> did, I cook some damn good dinners. As well as my <laughs> That's just, right. So I, I take that and I maybe we'll post them again.
1: That's it. Uh, but we all we all do this to some degree. And, and so the pressure around us now is is huge. And also the uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty is hard in the best of times. But now you bring on pandemic, you bring on the political forces at at work all over the world, and you have people literally questioning the very fundamentals of their life and the very fundamentals of the political system they're in, the very fundamentals of their health, which they're getting inundated with so many different perspectives. And so no wonder we're all confused. We don't know what to do. We don't know what our next step is. And so it's leading to mass stress and anxiety and mental health issues um and so really for me when i'm not thinking about what i need to do tomorrow or next week or next year and when i'm not thinking about what i've done yesterday and the day before when i'm in the moment that's when i don't feel any of that uncertainty and you know i talk in my book just as a bit of an uh, an aside i talk in my book about all the um crazy adrenal junkie things that I would do, you know, whether it was jumping out of a plane or, you know, skiing down cliffs or scuba diving with sharks or whatever it was. And people always ask me, well, if you were always anxious, why were you an adrenaline junkie? But the fact is, is I wasn't. I was so anxious that I always felt like I was jumping out of a plane. So jumping out of a plane didn't cause me more anxiety. It was just the same anxiety. But doing those things brought me to the present moment. You couldn't be elsewhere when you're, sh- when you're swimming with sharks. You can't be elsewhere when you're jumping off a cliff. You're in the moment. And I just felt incredible in the moment. Now, thankfully, over the last decade, I don't need to jump off a cliff to be in the moment. Now I can do it with meditation, with heart math, with having a good conversation, with listening to music, with sitting down and eating some good food. Whatever it is now, there's other means of bringing myself to the present moment but that's really why the book is about you know finding your your flow on your path to the present moment because most of us are so caught up in the future or in the past that we're very rarely here even when we're at our kids' ben our, our kids stuff we're recording it and we're not even in the moment we're actually just worrying that we don't have the proper you know recording of that event so the idea is to get yourself into the moment so that you're actually present
0: now As a therapist, I see a lot of people with chronic health disorders, so many, many different disorders, of course, and all chronic health diseases. One of the the starting points is actually chronic stress. Obviously, the anxiety doesn't help, does it? Um, So talk to us about the, you're a chiropractor, so talk to us about the physiological aspects of anxiety and coherence. Where's the connection? I mean, this is for the audience, of course. Well, what has coherence got to do with physical illnesses, particularly chronic health disorders?
1: So when you are stressed and you're anxious, there's an awful lot of energy being used. And I look at it, I call it being depleting. I use the words depleting and renewing. And so if something isn't depleting you, it's generally renewing you and the opposite. You know, something is not renewing you, it's usually depleting you. And so when you look at the amount of energy used in the cycle of thinking, producing stressful thoughts, producing anxiety, producing more thoughts, it's using a heck of a lot of energy and your body is going through this, which is why usually when you have a lot of anxiety, you're exhausted by the end of the day because you've been going through this process, your body's using up this energy. However, when you are in a coherent state, and just so that you understand what coherence is, um, most people who are... An athlete will say, uh, I'm in the zone. And being in the zone means time is slowed down. Their body's performing the way they want it to. Their mind and body are connected. It's a state of balance. It's a state of physiological um, uh, equilibrium where everything is functioning well. Uh, You know, I guess the average person will have felt coherent sometimes. You walk into a room and you see someone walking across the room and you just want to go speak to that person. You feel their energy. And that's a coherent feeling. But when I talk about physiological coherence, it's, a, it's when your heart rhythm is in rhythm with your brain, when rhythm with the rest of your uh, digestive system, your cells are literally replicating and, and buzzing at the same frequency. That's coherence. And so we can attain that through uh, developing a, a proper heart rhythm. And because our, our heart rhythm is about 40 times stronger electrically than our brain rhythm, The heart's rhythm can entrain, can make the brain rhythm the same as the heart rhythm. And so, when you start to get your heart rhythm into a good, coherent sine wave, it looks like a nice rhythm like this, you start to affect the higher centers of the brain that deal with decision making, that deal with stress, that deal with pain, that deal with sleep. And so, as soon as you start to get your heart into a coherent rhythm, Your brain goes there and now you're making better decisions. Now you're dealing with pain better and sleeping better. In other words, you're more resilient and you're more efficient. And so you're utilizing energy more efficiently. And so if you've got anxiety and you're utilizing energy constantly, you're depleted and you're not feeling well. When you're depleted, you're not fighting disease. Your immune system isn't buzzing on all cylinders. You're not fighting off the common cold, let alone COVID or cancer or liver disease or heart disease. you're you're getting sick, your immune system is dealing with the fight or flight issue. Because as I said, when we first started talking, when you're in fight or flight, your body's not concerned with your immune system, it wants to run away from the bear. And so even though there's no bear, your body still thinks there's danger, so your immune system is secondary. And so people who are caught in a stress fight or flight response, their immune system is not working to their uh, benefit and it's not working to its optimal uh, function. And so all of a sudden you have people that are stressed out and anxious and now they're getting more colds. They're, get, they're not fighting off sickness as well. And so this is, again, one of those real comorbidities with, uh, with COVID right now, because people who are stressed out and anxious, which most of us are because of the pandemic, it's making us more susceptible to COVID because our bodies are not fighting it as efficiently. And so this whole this whole notion of using gratitude and love and meditation to help your body become more resilient, it can actually heal. And as another aside uh, for your listeners, which is really exciting, there's a lot of research being done, uh, noticeably by um, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's currently just uh, formulating all the data from his his research, but what it's been showing is exactly what I just said. When you are uh, creating uplifting emotions, gratitude, love, appreciation, you are now in a more resilient state and your immune system is working better. And they're finding this in blood work and in brain scans of people who are meditating for less than a week. They've been able to develop their uh, improve their immune system to such a degree that they are fighting off disease. So it's, this is just very powerful stuff. And so when you start to practice uh, positive emotions, it's not just you know, 30 years ago when you had some guru telling you to think positively. Now we're finding out that thinking positively can have um tangible results on your blood work to show that you are actually uh strengthening your immune system.
0: And, and so just to re-emphasize when you're in fight or flight, so this is, I mean I'm not talking to mark I'm talking to the audience here. When you're in fight or flight, your immune system takes a back seat. Your digestive system takes a back seat. So, you know, if you end up having uh, bowel issues and you're going through fight or flight, don't be surprised. So thank you for sharing that s- such important information. And one of the things you also mentioned is about decision-making, that when your heart is, when you're in a coherent state, you make better decisions so that people, I, I and I really I believe that not enough people understand the importance of decision making. What happens when you make coherent decisions or the opposite? What happens when you make incoherent decisions? What are the consequences?
1: Well, the fact is, I think most people are walking around making very poor decisions because they're basing it upon incoherent thoughts. You know, when you are in a depleted state, when you're stressed out and and having fight or flight, because you're your main priority, or at least your brain's main priority is survival. So when you're trying to think about a creative situation or come up with the answer or a solution for a problem, your boss, you know, approaches you with a solution. You're now, you're literally trying to figure out an answer when you're stuck in survival mode, your brain cannot operate in that, in that, uh, in that mode. And you're not using the prop, the centers of your brain properly to create a response that is based upon creativity or based upon solving a problem. You're basically doing it because you just wanna survive. And what I always I challenge people to do is when you recognize this is just take a few breaths, forget about learning all these complicated uh, you know, techniques or treatments or anything else that you, you, you perceive as to be too hard for you. Just simply pause, take a few breaths and see if the situation seems the, same, the, the, the way it did. Because if we look at it, most people right now are are making their decision process a lot harder because we are chest breathers. And we are heaving our chest. And if you sort of look at how you breathe, you'll realize that most of the time you're taking very shallow breaths up and through the chest. And that stimulates the sympathetic response, which is part of the fight or flight system. But when you Fill up your stomach with your in breath. When you breathe in through your nose and you fill up your stomach, and then you breathe out through your mouth and elongate your out breath, you're actually stimulating the parasympathetic, which is the relaxation system. So if you can take a few breaths in through your nose for four or five seconds, out through your mouth for maybe five to eight seconds, you're now stimulating the relaxation response. And so anytime you want to make a decision and you're just frustrated or you're not feeling at your best, Take five, six, seven breaths. Take your time with them and revisit the situation because what you'll find is now you're in a state that you can actually grasp what you're trying to do.
0: So the word sympathetic and parasympathetic are confusing words, of course. And so sympathetic does not mean your system has sympathy. It does, it kind of doesn't. Sympathetic is the one that will put you in fight or flight and the parasympathetic is the more, so one is activating, of course, it's not just fight or flight. And the parasympathetic is all about calming your system down. So thank you again. And so a lot of people are probably excited if you're not, what's wrong with you? They're excited about your book, how do they get hold of a copy of the book? Because we've got a lot more to discuss so that they can get that out of their head. Yes. They go, oh, how do I get the book? So how do, what's the best way for them to get maybe a hard copy if it's available and certainly PDF or- well, um, you, can,
1: you can certainly, you know, I'm on Amazon. You can get the book on Amazon, but I wanted to give uh, your listeners a chance to access the book. So there's two ways. If you go to the website, coherencerevolution.com, but there's a landing page forward slash 2022. So coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022. When you go there, uh, there's actually a code. You can download yourself a free ebook. I want everybody to be able to get it and just start diving into the work. Um, And there's also a code there that you can access the course uh, and the workbook for 50% off. There's a code there. Because as we're uh, launching our course in February, um, the end of February, February twenty first, and also in March, we've got two start dates. as we're doing that, we want people to have the book, to be reading it, and to really dive into the work. And so that'll give you the opportunity um, to do that. So I really do encourage anybody that this resonates with to go get yourself a copy of the book. It won't cost you anything. And then if, if it resonates with you, the course is just going to be a lot of fun. We dive into all the concepts, and we teach the, teach the techniques and, and give you the support that you need.
0: I think the information is very important, of course, but information doesn't lead to transformation. I've been in the transformational field since I was 16 as a martial arts instructor and later on personal development, business development and so on. And the biggest challenge I can tell you, and, and it's frustrating for me, I'll be honest with you, having trained thousands of people, martial arts, business, etc. The biggest frustration for me is that people aren't taking action. But it's not their fault. I kept thinking, you know, what the hell's wrong with these people? I don't think it's people's fault. Here's what I figured out. And it works a treat for me and Mark, Dr. Mark. Feel free to use this, which is I ask people what's most important about whatever issue they want to transform to you. And I can bet your bottom dollar that most of them don't have enough reasons. So when I look at somebody, for example, who's got great money, uh, abundance flow, And they got relationship issues. I ask them, what's most important about your relationship to to you with your partner? They might come up with one or two reasons. Uh, Like, uh, he loves me or I love him. We've been together for nearly 30 years. And that's what's keeping you together. So, and yet on the other hand, if I take someone with relationship issues, it could be any of the issues. Relationship, uh, which is strong. And I ask them, what's most important about relationship to you? She's my soulmate. This is what we do together. This is what we're going to do together. And so, and they, it's, you have a challenge stopping them. So, my encouragement to anyone who actually wants to deal with the anxiety, I can promise you, having worked with thousands myself on anxiety, is find at least a dozen, two dozen, a hundred reasons why you deserve to take ownership, to take control of your anxiety. Because when you get there, then, my friend, and by the way, that might take a day or two for you to do, then you're not going to procrastinate, you're not going to deliberate because you realize that, hey, I'm worth it, literally, I deserve this. And when you know that you're worth it, your self-worth goes up, and then you're ready to do the work. So it doesn't take long. I'm just giving you incredible, powerful tools that I use with my client for free. You're not paying me. So use it. Okay. So... (laughs) You have to have a big enough why. You have to have a big enough why. And, you know, sometimes the why, like, you know, uh, Simon Sinek talks about the big why. Sometimes it's multiple little whys Mm -hmm. that make the big why. You know, Mm -hmm. so for example, the multi many multiple whys of what I do, what I do is my sons are now 20 and 22. And I can give you a hundred different reasons at the top. I won't do it now. Why I choose to do what I do. So, Let's talk about energy a bit. Why do people need to be aware of what depletes them and what kind of stuff renews them?
1: Well, the fact is, is we, we our bodies are either being renewed or depleted. And when we're being depleted, it will not only affect the, the decisions you make, it's going to affect the way your body fights disease, it's going to affect your energy to engage in the environment around you and engage in work, engage with your social life. And so when you look around, you realize there are so many things that deplete you on a daily basis. You know, I, I talk about in my book, a simple thing. You know, For instance, I have this water uh, container and I used to have this coffee mug that every time I, you know, took a sip, it would drip down my chin and in and of itself, who cares? But I used to do that a hundred times a day. And every time it happened, it would annoy me. Well, if you have a hundred annoyances a day, it's depleting for you, right? If you're driving home and your your steering wheel is cracked and sticky in your hands, and now you're, the drive is affected, and you've got this oh, yeah, i I got to do this. And the idea is that we have so many things that deplete us on a small basis, as you're saying, those b- uh, small y's can make a big y. Well, the small depletions can make a big depletion. So it could be something as sim- uh, you know, as big as you can't stand your job. But it can be as small as why am I wearing this shirt, you know, the shirt is tight on me and it makes me feel overweight and now I'm more conscious about me and now it's triggering these subconscious beliefs that I have, why am I doing this to myself, you know, so we, we have all of these things that will either deplete us or renew us and what I found in my own life, that was true with all of my senses right? There's sounds that I hear that uplift me. And all of a sudden I'm energized. I feel more renewed. And now I've got more energy for whatever I want to do. And likewise, there's certain sounds that affect me and they make me cringe. And now I'm annoyed. I get a headache and I've got a headache. I'm depleted. And, you know, sounds could be music or it could be your neighbors yelling through the thin wall in your apartment, you know? So all of our senses can either add to a renewal or depletion. What we visually look at, like on your desk, do you have pictures of your family that inspire you, or is your window looking at an electrical field and you're just depleting all day because you have nothing to look at, right? Is there certain smells, you know, when you walk into the kitchen in the morning, does the smell of coffee uplift you and go, hey, I'm, I'm right excited for the day, or is there something that's really stressing you out, right? And so when you start to dive into it and you look at all the things that can deplete you on a daily basis. You sort of look at yourself and you go, no wonder it's 9 p.m. and I'm exhausted on the couch and I have no energy to be, you know, intimacy with my partner or to read or to do any of the things that um, inspire me in life. And so once you start feeling depleted, the things that you do in your life to inspire you, they fall by the wayside because you just don't have energy for them. You, you have to use all your energy just to do your chores and make sure you get to work and make sure you, know, you get your food made and stuff. And you've got no energy for anything else. But as you start caring about what renews you in every aspect of your day, all of a sudden now it's nighttime and you're like, hey, I'm ready. I wanna go on my date night. I wanna go read. I wanna go speak with a friend because you haven't depleted yourself so much. So I look at our, ourselves as things are either renewing us and inspiring us or depleting us, and when we're depleted, we don't have the energy to live an inspired life. It's it's
0: so unique to everyone, though, um, in many respects. For example, when I go into a coffee shop and I have my laptop and I'm working on my whatever book I'm working on, I'm working on my next book right now, and I actually need a lot of people to make a lot of noise so I can ignore them all. Right. On, on the other hand, it becomes full of angst and anxiety she, she can't even hear herself think on the other hand if i'm on a webinar conference call nothing depletes me more than listening to people with their unmuted and the noise in the background i'm currently I'm actually doing a regular conference so it's very unique and the other thing is i think i'd love to add which you, i think you've touched upon it earlier which is that the constant dopamine fixes we get by being on TikTok or whatever, you know, sorry, TikTokers, uh, whatever mechanism we're, we're, that's on our device, it's very, it's, it's very dangerous because that's also depleting you without you even knowing. So right. did, did you want to add anything to that regarding? Well, social? I
1: think that this, is, this has been a whole other uh, dimension um, that because dopamine is, can be seen as a positive chemical But it can also be seen as a negative chemical because you know and Facebook knows this and as you scroll through um, there's little drips of dopamine being released so essentially you want to keep going and myself you know I try so hard not to but there are times that I'm on my scroll and all of a sudden I realize it's been 10 minutes and I'm having a hard time tearing away from it and thankfully I know this stuff so I'm sitting there going oh this is just dopamine just put it away, you know, and literally within five seconds of putting it away, it's good it's it's out of sight out of mind, and i I'm not affected by it, but to tear yourself away from it, your brain wants the continued drip 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 of dopamine, so um, we have to make a conscious effort to be in the here and now, to be in the environment that we're with, to actually be in conversation with someone or to be sipping my coffee without any stimuli around me or to be going on a walk without stimuli, you know, the idea is to be in the present moment some of the time, so that you're actually, um, you know, living in the present moment.
0: I think uh, there's an amazing neuroscientist, uh, ophthalmologist, uh, who has a podcast, Dr. Andrew Huberman, and he talks about how dopamine is all related to external stimuli, whereas the whole serotonin Uh, thing is all about the internal being present with yourself and being happy and grateful within yourself so let's move moving on let's look at what do you mean by process is it process mind
1: or process mindset and yeah what's that okay to talk to us about it most of us and I'll I'll generalize um, for most people live a a destination mindset and you may have heard the story uh, in many ways but it's basically the I'll be happy when story you know, I'll be happy when I go to school, when I get my first boyfriend or girlfriend, when I graduate, when I go to college, when I get my first job, when I get my house, when I get my spouse, when we have kids, when I make enough money. And it's always, I will be happy when. And all of a sudden, you're 30, 40, 50, you're 60 years old, and you've been saying, I'll be happy when your entire life. And so when is it time to be happy? That's the destination mindset. The process mindset is. You develop a system in your life. And so for me, I created that daily time schedule. I know what I want to do Monday through Sunday, in generalities, when I work, when I sleep, when I eat, when I read, when I meditate, when I have social time, when I have date night, whatever, I have planned out my life in a way that I like it. And I've put in the emotions that I want to feel. And then I start to practice my dream life. And the idea is that if you start to practice the emotions of the life that you want to leave, live, uh, live, you start to live that dream life. So for an example, you know, a lot of people visualize themselves uh, taking a vacation and they visualize how it's going to be great. They're going to be sitting in a hot tub. They're going to be walking on a beach. They're going to be partying it up. And they visualize this, this, this being, how they're going to be in the moment. But then they get on the vacation and they realize, well, wherever I am, there I, where, that wherever I go, there I am. And they're sitting in the hot tub and they're feeling just as miserable as they did two weeks before when they were at home in their, you know, they're at their home. And you realize that if you can, it's not the thing that, they didn't want to take the hot tub. They wanted the emotion that they were going to perceive or feel in that hot tub. And so if you start to identify what is that emotion of freedom or of joy or of gratitude or of just letting loose, what is the emotion? You can start to practice that before you go on vacation. And the the thing is, is A, you can start enjoying the benefits, but the the likelihood of you needing that vacation in such a dire way, that's also going to be reduced because you're starting to renew your emotional state. And so for me, it's about practicing the process that you've set up you have a life process so every day if you get off of it you had a bad week you you didn't eat well for a week you you didn't pay attention to any of your good habits for this week you don't have to get back and get to any destination you just have to get back on doing your process and living your process so there's not a lot of failure there's not a lot of disappointment it's just oh i got off my my route i'm going to get back on the process that i've designed and if the process doesn't work for you anymore Well, redesign the process. You can change it up any time you want. But the idea is to know what works for you, what it is that you want, and then to just keep living that life and practicing it. Because if you practice the emotions of gratitude, joy, love, appreciation, you start practicing those on a daily basis, they will become more familiar to you. And as those emotions become more familiar to you, you will start creating the chemicals of joy in your brain rather than the chemicals of stress. And as soon as your brain starts replacing that, you start to change your set point for stress and you just don't have that same response that you used to have.
0: You know, we've been conditioned very much so to think in terms of destination mindset. The one day when I have this, I'll be happy or I'll right. be successful. And I tell you, that's that's the very thing that keeps you on the rat race. Um, I started martial arts in the, at the age of 14, Kung Fu. And my dream was one day I want to become British champion. I'll be successful and happy. The training was amazing. All the competitions were amazing. I did become British champion, and after that, I didn't go any further. I thought, "Is this it?" Right? Can you imagine that? You, you, I'm British champion, and it's a Grand Prix series, so you know, beating everyone hands down. I'm like, oh. But the truth is, my greatest joy and happiness and fulfillment came from the individual elements of the process as I got to the destination. So it's like you're going onto this in this amazing journey but you're not looking out the window because you're just looking thinking about the journey ahead. So to so absolutely, totally, totally agree and resonate with yourself. You, you mentioned about hot math. And I just want to share a quick story that in 2017, I was in the US in San Francisco and I was staying there with some friends for a while. And I thought, well, let me just go and meet some Facebook friends. And I clicked on, I thought, oh, this guy, he seems to be, you know, Facebook tells you if someone's nearby, he seems to be nearby. Messaged him. I said, hey, do you want to fancy meeting up? I didn't even know who he was, just knew his name. We agreed to meet up uh, in a place called Sorcelito. And I thought, as I'm driving there, I parked up. I thought, let me just check his background. What's his background? Turns out he's the first CEO of HeartMath Institute. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like, my work is all about the heart. I I actually had a conference just happened that year called Living from the Heart. And uh, here I am meeting the founding pre- uh, CEO or president of uh, HeartMath. So first of all, for the sake of our audience, there's a reason why I'm mentioning it. What, what, what has HeartMath, HeartMath been doing and what is heart coherence? Can you go a bit more deeper into sure. that, please?
1: So HeartMath started uh, doing their research in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, you know, and when they started talking about heart and brain coherence, uh, they didn't have any of the research behind it. They had none of their technology. They were just talking about knowing that if you got into your heart, you could start to change your physiological state. And they called that the state of coherence. But I, to their joy and to our delight, you know, they, their research has been incredible. And what they've determined is that you can get your heart into a nice rhythm. And part of that rhythm is increasing what's called your heart rate variability. So it's called HRV. When you breathe in, your heart rate goes up. When you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. So let's say you breathe in and you, your heart rate goes up to 90 beats a minute. And then you breathe out and your heart rate goes down to 70 beats per minute. 90 minus 70, your heart rate variability is 20. The greater your heart rate variability, the greater adapt, adaptability you have to life. In fact, they've done many studies on uh, mortality and how long you live. And the greater your HRV, the longer you live. And so as we age, our HRV normally gets smaller. But using math techniques, you can increase your HRV, which not only will change your physiological state, but it will increase your, le- your lifespan because you're starting to increase the total HRV um, of your resting heart rate as you practice these, these techniques. And so what they found is when you start to do this and you start to increase your HRV, uh, through your heart, now you're going to start to entrain the centers of your brain that deal with pain and sleep and stress and all these great things like decision making and how, and and how to go about uh, using our brains efficiently. And so, what their research has shown is that it's the most efficient, uh, resilient state that you can be in this coherent, resilient state. And so, they, there's many techniques. And so, in the in my course, I'll I'll teach at least a half dozen of them uh, for yourself and for others and to be able to share heart coherence with people and to be able to help the planet, to be able to help each other. So they've really done an incredible job at um, understanding coherence and doing the research behind understanding it. But then developing technology. So for instance, they've got um, bio, biofeedback technology that you can put a sensor on your finger or on your ear. It measures your heart rhythm. And then as you're using their technology, it helps you to, to gain this coherent state. And eventually, you can access that state without their technology because it's teaching you. It's giving you biofeedback on how to do this. And so they've got books. They've got uh, technology. And in my course, what I found is that as you start to teach people, sometimes the books and the technology is helpful, but having someone to coach you through it, and when I had someone coach me through it, it just it just changed everything. Uh, you know, HeartMath for me, it was introduced 2005, I'm going to say. I read a book, got their technology, and like everything I did, I jumped in but I didn't understand it fully, and I didn't embody it. It took me another five years, about 2011, where I revisited it, and I started using it a little bit more frequently, but I really wanted to get the holy grail. I wanted to become coherent. I wanted to know that this was something that actually existed, rather than just relax myself a little bit, because that's really what I was doing by doing this technique. I was relaxing myself a little bit, but I wasn't I didn't hit the Holy grail. So I remember this one day I was sitting in my bed and there's three parts to heart math. One is breath, breath work. You're breathing in and out through your chest. The second is visualization. You're, you know, you're visualizing the oxygen going in and out of your chest as you're doing stomach breathing. The third part is the emotional state. You have to generate a a uplifting, renewing emotion. And so I was sitting in bed with the Biofeedback. feedback. I had it on my finger and it was measuring my heart rate. And I was looking at the technology and I was thinking of calm blue ocean. I was thinking of clouds. I was thinking of anything that could relax me or put me into a good mood and nothing was working. And then when you're using heart math technology and you're not getting what you'd like out of it, the tendency is you might get frustrated, which then works completely against you because now it's doing the opposite of what you'd like. So I kind of stopped for a moment and I thought, okay, none of this is working. What can I do to feel an emotion? So in that moment, what came to me was my daughter. She was six years old and I envisioned her or I visualized her jumping in my arms and giving me a hug. And I didn't just visualize the hug. I felt it. I felt her arms around me. I felt her kiss on my cheek. I felt the warmth of her body. I felt every aspect of that hug. And I didn't need the technology to tell me what I already knew, but it did. It went right into green, which signified coherence. It made a beep, which signified coherence. And I felt tingles through my whole body. I felt energized. I felt clear. I felt awake. I I felt a sensation that I'd never really felt before, which was just that everything was perfect. Things felt right. And in that moment, I realized This is coherence. I felt coherent in my body. My physiological state changed. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't just a philosophical state. It exists, and you can attain it. And it doesn't take long to attain it. It took me seconds, not minutes, not days, not hours. It took seconds to access the state. And so this was really the beginning of my HeartMath journey of learning to get uh, certified and teach people involved in my practice. And that started back in 2011. And then so for me, I really started to improve using those techniques after that moment. And I think it was a good lesson for me. It's not just visualizing. What people get wrong with the law of attraction, what people get wrong with how they can change their emotional state, it's not about thinking. It has to be about feeling. And once you start to feel regenerative emotions, that changes the ballgame.
0: Beautifully put, absolutely beautifully put. So, for those of you who are trying to figure out what Dr. Mark's accent is, is Canadian. Do, do you want to share a bit about your background for you know the, those who want to yes. maybe visit you in person? You know, we're here in the UK, but you're in Canada.
1: Well, I was I was definitely born here in Toronto, and um, yeah, my family's from Toronto. We're, we've been uh, we've been here our whole lives. And although I do love traveling, I always come back to uh, come back to home. Um, but yeah, so it's here. The community around around this type of of mindset is is starting to grow. I'm sure, like it is in the UK and and in and North America. But um, for the most part, I think Canadians are also like like most people. We're stressed out and looking for answers.
0: Oh yes, you you're certainly stressed out alongside with Australians as well. I, don't, I won't even go into the politics uh, anyway. <laughs> so. I have a feeling I know why, but let me ask you uh, anyway, the, why did you call your book and the process Coherence Revolution?
1: For me, it was, it literally, it was obvious, you know, um, coherence, because there's no better way to describe how you want to live your life because you want to have coherent emotions you want to have coherent people in your life you want to be in a job that is coherent for you you want to be living your life in a coherent way but revolution because and i had many discussions about this with my wife with my partner uh, bruce um, many conversations about why revolution because sometimes revolution has a negative connotation right we're revolting but for me, it it signified a fundamental change in the way we go about living our lives. It means that we're going from a destination mindset to a process mindset. It means that our we're not so focused on attaining goals that it's more about living a process that keeps you inspired to reach those goals every day. It's more about the process. It's more about knowing your toolbox of how many things can put you into a state of coherence. And for this to happen, it wasn't just a small shift. And if it's not just a small shift, what's bigger than a small shift? Well, it's a revolution. We have to revolutionize the way we think about the world we live in, in the life that we're creating for ourselves. And I think what this pandemic really put into, um, cle- it became clear for me, is that there's no, uh, there's no f- second chances. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is our lives. And right now, for the last two years, we're stuck in a pandemic. And most of us have had this idea that give it a month, give it another month. We're going to get back to normal. All of a sudden, two years goes by. My kids' uh, high school experience is pretty much going to be COVID. They're not learning in the same way that they, they, they did. Many people have had jobs come and go, and they've been either let go or finding new jobs. And lives are changing right now because fundamentally, The world has changed. And so I I believe that we need to look at things completely differently. And so to me, that's a revolution. We have to revolutionize the way we get up in the morning and start to live our day. Because there there are no second chances. This is our life. And if you want to live an inspired life, you can't wait for it. You have to start to create it literally in this moment. And so to me, that's the revolution.
0: You know, when I look at the state of the world, and now we go global now, about the people who are making decisions on our behalf, ha. Uh, the politicians, the corporate leaders, all these other people, you know, the, the influences—they're operating from a space of angst and anxiety, from incoherence. That's right. I just want to imagine, for those of you watching, imagine that these very same people—okay, forget their names and personalities—actually operated from coherence from their hearts. And integration with their soul and their body and so on. My goodness, that's called heaven. So I reckon that's why, uh, from my perspective, that's why it's also a revolution. If all the people in the world were coherent within themselves, not even all the people, even a hundred people in every town and city, the world would change. Firm, firm believe in that. A lot of science to prove that. So moving on from there, Socrates said and, Unexamined life is not a life worth living. What is self-inquiry?
1: Well, what I designed with the course is a workbook just to go along with. So one week we're going to get into auditory and there's a worksheet that's going to take you through. I give you instructions throughout the week, literally just to be listening to all different types of music. And the idea is that you want to know what uplifts you, what annoys you, what makes you feel good, what brings emotion out in you, what makes you grateful, so that you know, in the morning, different types of music might suit you better than in the evening, you're learning yourself. Same thing with tastes, are there things that you can literally taste that will change your mood, are there different smells, are there different sights, Um, you know, so the idea is that you're doing the self inquiry, so that by the end of it, you will have a diet. That works for you. You will understand things, whether it's pictures or actual landscapes that you can surround yourself with that will bring about more coherence. You will be able to dive into even the people and the relationships you have, do the work on that. And there's some worksheets that you work through. The idea is that you want to go through every aspect of your life to see what renews you and what depletes you. And once you understand what renews you and what what depletes you, you can get rid of or severely limit the things that deplete you, and you can increase the things that renew you. But how on earth can you do that unless you do the self-inquiry? So, you know, I I kind of divided um, the book and the course into five essential ingredients. The first essential ingredient is just learning concepts. We're talking about fight or flight. We're talking about anxiety. And we're talking about a, a process mindset versus a destination mindset. We're learning these concepts. The second is to do... Um, is to learn different techniques, to learn heart math, to do that type of technique. The third is to do the self-inquiry, to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And then once you have the techniques, you've got the concepts, and you've done the self-inquiry, you can then make your life process. And then once you've made your life process, all that's left to do is practice. And the idea is that you're practicing the process you've set up. So really, that's what the book and the course are about going through those five stages, so that by the end, all that's left is for you to practice the life that you want to live. And then it's just your daily process.
0: So the revolution, the coherence revolution, uh, I'm aware a number of people have actually quite a few people have done it. So can you share with us examples of some of the people who, you know, experienced the coherence revolution?
1: we 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 took a few groups through it uh, last summer. And it was really amazing to me because different people got different things out of it. Because you can imagine, if you're diving into each of your senses, some people might have profound uh, realizations when it comes to doing the self inquiry on the people in their lives. Other people might have a profound realization when they go through their diet. Other people might have a profound realization when they go through all the different sounds they can use. And so what we were finding is different responses from different people, but um, we had a good age group and and good um, sort of a a mixture of people. And so I remember there was this one woman who was in her uh, early thirties, starting out in her career, not married, she's single. But her biggest thing was she was overwhelmed by all of it. She didn't know how to get things done in her life um, to inspire her to have fun. Because it was always about making sure the groceries were done, the the house is clean, work is done. She was chasing her tail a lot, you know, never really doing the things in life that she liked doing. And so she went through the six-week course. And at the end of it, she designed a process. And she happens to be a patient of mine. So she came in to me about a week later and she said, you know, I finally am reading again. I've I've made uh, plans with my mom once a week now, we're gonna go have lunch. And there was a system that she set up where now she said, I feel in control of my life. Well, even if it's just a perception of control, that's wonderful. She feels like her life is back in her own hands. Um, And, you know, she was someone that would get overwhelmed easily. So for her, the heart math tools was something that just allowed her to come back to the moment and then not get overwhelmed by each of the things in her life. Uh, We also had a woman in her late 40s, mother of a couple of teenagers. And what she wrote me afterwards was that she finally took her life back. She told her family what was existing couldn't happen anymore. And so after a couple of weeks of negotiation with her family. She had her teenagers cooking dinner a couple times a week, her husband cooking dinner once a week, so she only had to cook dinner twice a week. She then had pl- time to do things with her friends. She figured out her meditation schedule for the morning, and for her it was just this again this control piece. She was able to look at her life in a different way. She's able to calm calm herself down in the moment, and she was able to ask for help. And that was huge. Now her family was on board. They were never against her but they were never helping her. Now she has helped for her life process. It's not all on her shoulders. So that was another really great one. And the third person I'd like to talk about is, um, he was a guy in his late 40s, electrician, busy, busy guy, um, seemed to be a little disconnected from his wife and his kids at times because his business was growing exponentially. So for him, he I believe he took the course as a favor to me because I was asking different types of people. And I think he felt connected to me as his chiropractor. And he said, you know what? Sure, I'll take the course. But afterwards, he came up and he said, you know, I I didn't expect it. But it really stimulated me to want to listen to my employees. And when I started listening to my employees, we designed systems at work where now we've broken through the growth that we needed to uh, break through because now they're on board. They're helping with the growth. And they've developed different systems in their business. And at home, he realized that him and his wife weren't talking enough and they're actually going to therapy. And his kids, he's carved out time for them on the weekends and he actually bought them, I think, jet skis or something. And they were going and doing these great things. But for him, it was reorganizing his life. And so all, in all three cases, the HeartMath tools, that allowed them to, in the moment, relax or feel uplifted or create a renewing emotion. So that was valuable for all three of them but each of the three of them got very different things out of the rest of the course and how they decided to use the knowledge in the self inquiry and that's really what this is about it's it's your revolution it's your it's up to you how you want to use this information but once you've done the self inquiry you're going to see all the changes that you can make in your life because now there's an awareness
0: you know it's uh, that gentleman you mentioned super busy as an entrepreneur with a family that's actually the precise it's like a vulnerable time at which a lot of marriages break down because that's the point where they lose sight of what really matters most being there seen it done it and it's not worth it so you know um definitely pay attention so who else so generally who are the kind of people who would gain value from working with you on this course and by the way people for those of you watching you know me I don't promote people that's not my thing very important for me is to bring high value content to help you to help take ownership of your own life take ownership take responsibility none of us know everything if I knew everything i would be a billionaire right you don't know everything nobody else knows everything but what I do do consciously aim to do which is to bring to you people who who may be able to give you a little insight into some aspect of your life but in this case with dr mark he's worked with some of my friends and um, bruce lipton bruce Cryer, joe Spencer. Doctors, of course, um, except Bruce Cryer, I don't think he's a doctor. Um, Greg Braden, not a doctor, but he's a scientist. So, he's, you know, he's, he's inspired and influenced actually very much so by the same people as myself. So he's a brother from another mother. So <laughs> Dr. Mark, so the kind of people who would gain um, value from this.
1: Well, you know, as I've been going through this journey, um, you know, obviously you you do, you start things from a place of, you know, personal to you or, or, you know, within you. So, uh, of course, it's for people who deal with anxiety. Uh, Of course, it's for people who are feeling overwhelmed and stressed. But it's also for people who just know there's more, uh, that they want more from life, they want to be inspired. You know, there's a lot of people walking around who are just sort of like, "Eh, life's okay. It's not bad. It's not, you know, nothing huge. The idea is if you want more from life, if you want to feel inspired, if you want to live longer, you know, create an inspired, this is what this is what this book is about. That's what the course is about. Um, It really is for everybody, as long as you're willing to do the work. And the work can be fun. Uh, I use the word work, but, um, you know, in, in the course, we actually use the term community play because it's not homework you're going home and you're going to play, you're going to to listen to music, you're going to look at things that inspire you, you're going to have conversations with people that uplift you. So when I say work, I use that term loosely, but you do have to be willing to do the self-inquiry, you do have to be willing to recognize you're not in a place that you'd like to be and that there's more for you. And as long as you can resonate with that, then this is really for anybody that wants to add inspiration and and more gratitude and uh, love to their life Uh, and for some people it might be a complete revolution other people it might just be tweaking some of the things they normally do and that and that's fine too Uh, there's no judgment on that you can do as little or as much as you like and the great thing about this is once you've gone through the coherence revolution once you have access to it forever um, and you can go through it again, and you can go through it again, and the recordings will be up, and you can go through the, the, each of the calls again and again. Whatever you want to get out of it, that's up to you. And so the idea is, you're going to get out of it whatever you put into it. And as long as you want more from life, then uh, then I think this is for you. So
0: this is something that I, I, I can certainly think of. You know, many people need it. I know some people are going through major relationship challenges, husbands maybe an alcoholic or something and not present or some other relationship issue or some health issue, definitely do. So coming towards the close of this conversation, I don't wanna call it an interview because there's a conversation because I threw my two pennies worth, might be three pennies worth in there a few times. <laughs> so um, what's next for the Coherence Revolution?
1: Well, I firmly believe um, and I've already seen in my quantum world that we've helped millions of people with Coherence Revolution. Um, and so this is really just the beginning. The community is growing. This course uh, is is launching. Uh, and in the future, there's going to be deeper and more th- more courses that focus on each of the individual aspects of coherence. So there will be courses on visual coherence. There will be courses on diet and on uh, auditory, all the different types of coherence, so that people who got a lot out of the first course can dive, can dive deeper into these subjects. Uh, I, I think that this concept of creating coherence in our lives, using the world around us, we're just at the very tip of the iceberg, and we're going to have lots of other people giving courses on our on our site, so we'll have experts in the field of uh, different forms of coherence, whether it's relationship or whether it's diet, you know, we're going to be exploring all of the different forms of coherence uh, in much more detail, and so I do invite people to stick around and to uh, keep with the community because this is just the beginning.
0: What's if you're in my shoes, and there was a question that maybe I should have asked? What would that question be, if if any?
1: Well, I'm I, I'm going to uh, give give you a bit of a compliment. Um, you know, I've done a lot of interviews, and uh, we cover a lot of ground. Uh, and I think that you did a great job of, of, of discussing a concept that is obviously um, near and dear to your heart. Uh, I don't feel like there's anything left unsaid. I do feel like there are people out there that are resonating with this, but are perhaps a little bit um, shy or hesitant to take, a, to take a step. So just being real, the book is free. And I've given a 50% off discount on the course simply because I want people to start to do this work and change their lives. So the only thing I've left unsaid is if you're on the fence, get the book, start to do the work. And then if it resonates with you, join the course and and change your life because um, it can start today. uh, And I encourage you to do so. So whenever you're listening or watching
0: this podcast, I would invite you to ask yourself, how amazing do I choose my life to be? How amazing do I choose my life to be? I don't care. I mean, I've dealt with all sorts of people, right? At the highest level of world, I've trained world champion kickboxers. I worked with high level scientists directly when I was in the medical industry. And I can tell you, the more humble you are to where you are right now, it's not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with where you are, and your life can be still be even more amazing. So make that choice, Dr. Mark Halpern. Thank you ever so much for having this fascinating conversation um, today. And um, all the links to get in touch with Dr. Mark and to get the books, et cetera, is in the show notes in the description. Thank you all for watching. See you next time.